In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Jared Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. When it comes to ranting about the great game of baseball, there's nobody better in the in the industry than Lou Merloni. Um, Lou. Yes, Rob. You, you wake up. You wake up in the morning. Yes, I do. And you go for your walks, and mm-hmm. you, you you oftentimes rant on the on the camera. You rant into the microphone. Um, there's a lot to rant about when it comes to baseball, when it comes to free agency, when yep. it comes to like the how things have shaken out, or or and, and we'll get. You know what? I want to finish the whole conversation about how important baseball uniforms are. <laughs> um, but uh, let's start with let's start with the dynamic of free agency, yeah. right? Of how this is working out and the importance of there's two different things. There's, there's the importance of for the player's perspective of actually showing them up to spring training with a deal and being okay let's go i'm with my two neat team i know who i'm playing for yeah and then as a player the the team is saying this is what we have um and we're ready to go so i don't know go ahead go ahead well i would say like whenever you sign a guy in the off season right like usually historically that guy is like shows up at camp a week or two early you know, because he's excited. He wants to get to know the parking attendants. He wants to get to know the training staff, the coaching staff, maybe get together with some of his new players. They show up early because they're excited to join a new team, but more importantly, they want to get as comfortable as possible. I've never met an enti- ever like a free agent that wants to show up a week late and not know anyone and just walk into a team that's already working, that's already had their meetings, that have already talked about what their goals are, to get familiar with the training staff. Like, that's a very uncomfortable situation. So, as a matter of fact, I, I, in 03, I was traded to San Diego at the end of I camp. that, yeah. And I walked into, like, the last two exhibition games of spring training, and I felt lost. I didn't know anyone on the team. First off, I was in a different league, mm-hmm. you know, in that American League, National League. We didn't really have as much interleague as you have now. Mm-hmm. And I just felt lost. I didn't know the trainers. I didn't know who was who. I didn't know the weight guy. I, I barely knew the coaching staff. I didn't know many guys on the team. And that's what spring training's for, by the way, too. Right? That's exactly what it's for. Yeah. So when you walk in here, so showing up late, um, I don't think it really benefits anybody because this is a time when you're supposed to build a foundation, not just physically, but with your teammates. So let me ask you this. Maybe not you, you, apples to apples for, for your career, but you were around some big name guys. Yeah. And so when you, did you ever say to him like, "What are you doing?" Like, like because you know what you hear, Lou is my agent's going to take care of it. My agent's going to take care of it. My agent, there's this ultimate trust in the agent, and obviously with the Boris guys, there's no better example of that and, you know for good reason. Like he gets his guys money, but tell me about that dynamic about how much trust these guys put in the agents before you do. Like I'll say this, I think Whit Merrifield probably got to the point where hey, I just want to play, man. Yeah. Like, it- I think that's what it has to come down to as well. Like, it, everybody wants their guys in camp. You know, everybody is still sort of sitting here, still in spring training, 
wondering if they're the team that's going to add Montgomery and Snell. Like, there's still, like, there's no closure of, like, this is my team. There's no belief yet, you know, and you're still sort of wanting. Or, but when it comes to the players, I can't imagine what's going through their minds right now. Oh, my goodness. Watching ESPN, MLB Network, all the local coverage of guys throwing bullpens and interviews, and, and baseball has started, and you haven't, and you're just sitting around waiting to see if you can get an extra year, an extra thirty million, or two years—it's—it's it's like, I get it. You work your ass off to get the free agency, and when you get there, you want to cash in. A lot of these guys are coming off big years and want to cash in, um, but you have to wonder if you sort of pushed it a little bit too far. Like, let's start playing baseball here. Let's start getting in here, and and getting it done, and going to the agent. I know Boris may have to eat crow. Mm. You know, yeah. um, and, and take short deals, maybe one-year deals with options or two, three-year deals with options. But at the same point, at some point, the player has to step in. And that's the problem. Like, Boris has done this before. Yeah. It all started with Miggy. It really did, right? <laughs> yeah, like, Cabrera, yeah. when was that? Was that, like, at the end of Ooh. January? Yeah. Like, later than, back in the day, later than anything. And you know, he got this, everyone's like, oh, he's going to lose out. Miggy's never going to get the money. Next thing you know, Detroit, enormous money. I believe that was the scenario, yeah. I think. And it was like, see? Wait. I think Fielder was that way, too. Actually, I'm sorry. It was Prince Fielder. Prince Fielder. Yeah, you're yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely yeah. right. It was Prince Fielder, actually. And it's like, he just has that to fall back on. Yeah. It, but that's the thing. And I don't know if you talked to it. When guys, when guys do do this, when you're, it, when you're in the clubhouse and you're talking to players, do you say, hey, listen, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You're, you're putting too much faith in the agent. And it, it, it might not even be an extension for a young guy right mm-hmm. like that's a whole another thing is extension for young guys which is another topic of conversation in baseball is hey you know you can be talk to a teammate some guys like i'm not going to talk to a teammate i'm just going to do my thing i'm going to really lean on my agent maybe they're just dug in on their own way of thinking like we yeah. had tristan casts yesterday where his agent calls him said here what do you think right. he's like i'm good yeah, I'm good. I, I I really do think it comes down to the, it's individual. You know, I think some guys would sit there and say, Scott, handle it. I have the type of personality. Well, I'll sit and wait. You do what's best and get me the most money. And then there's others that are probably checking in with them every day. They're like, Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Like, what do we have? Is that good enough? I kind of like it. No, we're gonna wait. You know, so it's. And then some guys probably just say, No, I want it. Let's just get this done. That's good enough for me. You know, and I'm not faulting the guys that just put it in the trust of an agent because that's why you hire Scott Boris. I don't fault them. I just think it's just different personalities. Of the guys, of the, the, the Boris guys who are left, let's be honest, like the big names are all Boris yeah. guys who are left. Um, who is the guy that's the most surprising for you? I would say, well, I, I just, right now, all three of the big ones, like Snell, Montgomery, and Bellinger. Well, here's a better question. Let's spin the wheel of Boris clients. Yeah. Or let's play the, the game of musical chairs. Yeah. Who do you feel potentially is the guy who is going to be, you know, maybe without the chair, maybe with that pillow contract? I could see Snell, like, just sitting there back and trusting him and just saying, dude, I'm good. You just let me know when I got a report. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let me know where I got where. my youth team to coach. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, and listen, maybe that's not fair. I don't know any of these guys individually. Um, I just don't see... Everybody in baseball is sitting there saying Bellinger's to the Cubs, Montgomery's to the Red Sox. Like, not just in Boston or Chicago. Like, it's just, it's a fit. Nobody wants, he's a qualifying offer with Bellinger, you know? So, what are you going to do, a one-year deal and give up a first, second-round pick? Like, it's not going to happen. I also feel like I... I, She goes back to Chicago. Yeah, I feel, though, that as we get into spring training, there's, from the team's perspective, 
I'm not going to say collusion because I don't want to be sued. Right. Um, Wait it out. Better word. Yeah, they're waiting. They're waiting it out, and also they're getting similar options. It offers. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's the the likelihood of a team be going all shock and awe and actually meeting the price and going to the next level. Doesn't seem because no. they they know because now Lou we know we know what teams the, the the market for these individual players have thinned out so much. Yeah, look at Jordan Montgomery, Texas. Oh no. Yeah. You know? So it's also like that gamble of what you're risking is you show up at camp in need of one of these guys, in quotes, and all of a sudden you show up and all of a sudden some kid shows up. Right. He he's, he's looks bigger, stronger, throwing harder, and you're like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to wait this one out. Yeah. We're going to see what this kid looks like. Now, there could be an injury too, right, in the first couple of days and somebody well, jumps. Look at, the Ori- look, at, look at the Orioles. Like The Orioles show up the first day and they have like five guys who, who aren't going to be ready for open today, but... I don't think that they're going to panic, you know. It's no, and and that's that's the problem, I think. You know, is that you kind of roll the dice when you start getting to camp. Either a team likes what they see from somebody that popped, or somebody else, or maybe there is an injury, but that injury's got to come from the right team. Like if there's a if there's a big injury down in Pittsburgh, they're not going to dive into Montgomery and Snell, mm. you know. And you wonder if Baltimore would even dive in, right? You know, I know they're going to be maybe some new spending, but if they don't dive in, you're sort of stuck. So then there's, the, then there's the player's perspective of it. And we've heard on, when was it, was uh, on Tuesday, that we heard not only, we heard Devers, we heard Mike Trout, we heard players on these teams that haven't done stuff that are stars, and they're like, come on, man, like, get me some help. They're there. They're there. Yeah. And so what was your, what was your takeaway from hearing those guys? kind of I understand what you're thinking you know it's like the same mentality at the deadline you think guys in the big leagues give a rat's ass about what this team looks like in four years no so uh, you know way, neither do the managers no exactly <laughs> so like you come deadline and you start hearing rumors about you know Red Sox are interested in this guy but they don't want to give up this double-a player that they think can be really good everybody in that clubhouse is like screw that like go go improve my big league team I want to play in October. We want to win. I don't care what prospect you're afraid to give because by the time he's good, I'm gone. So it's a, kind of like a selfish mentality. But you know, you play this game obviously to get to the big leagues and then to kind of you know maybe make some money, right? And have a long career. But you always want to win. Like it's not fun playing in September when it doesn't mean anything. You want to get into October. So all these guys right now, and here's some people like somewhat, some a little critical of Rafi saying, well. If he thinks they need more, then he's kind of crapping on his own teammates. Mm. And, yeah, there's a touch of that. I mean, let's face it, what we're talking about is they need well, starting. Well, that's why he wouldn't name, that's right. why he wouldn't name like, exactly what they right. need. Right. I mean, they need starting pitching. Yeah. So what you're saying is uh, Crawford and Hauk, you may want to be starters. Mm. I mean, uh, or Whitlock, rather. Yeah. Hauk, maybe you want to be starters. But I think we're a better team with you in the bullpen. And, and sometimes that's just a reality, you another, know. Another thing is, is that. They're saying that because they can say that. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's not a lot of guys in in a clubhouse who can say, who can give that message because they have nothing to lose. Like right. They're they're they got the long term deals. They they make the money, and especially when you look at the Red Sox. Okay, how many guys can say that? Yeah. Two. Yeah, not many. Three. You know, many guys that have have that kind of clout. I mean, so for you, for you, for a player in there. Like how important is that to say have like when to have the people be able to say that? You want to have somebody be able to say it. Yeah. What everyone's thinking, you know, and, and that's where, like, 
the stars come into play. You know, the guys that have clout, that have been here a long time, that have long-term deals. You know, I remember my, my rookie year, like even, even Mo was like on his last year of his deal, right? That whole thing went haywire. Yeah. But he was a guy that would speak for the team. You know, and you know, even though Kenley's only been here for a couple of years, he's another one. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's a guy that came here for him and Martin two-year deal. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to be not just a rebuild, but cutting payroll. No. You know what I mean? Like I don't think that conversation happened when they signed. So, you want to have some guys that have clout that sort of, you know, go out there and say these sort of things. And again, it's the same thing at the deadline. Like when the guys like, hey, we need this. We need starting pitcher. We need a third baseman. There's someone in your clubhouse that's playing third. Yeah. There's someone in your clubhouse that's actually starting games that you're publicly saying you want replaced. Yeah. Because that's that's well, just but, the nature but, of the beast. But also, Lou, it's like because the, the the pushback when when players say that at the deadline, you hear the GMs or whoever they're like, oh well, they're entitled to their opinion and they don't know the whole. Well, they kind of do know the story because they have a good perspective of the the pulse of like reading the room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and right now, now we sit in spring training, that they're reading the room. They're reading yeah. the room in terms of how people Man, you, feel. You just want a chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, and then, like, you know, last year, people saying one guy's not going to make a difference if you added a starter. Let's say the Red Sox went out and traded for Montgomery instead of Texas. Mm. Would that have made a difference? Defensively, they were flawed, and it was going to bite them in the ass, anyways, right? Mm. But one guy does make a difference because everybody shows up to the park sooner. You know, everybody comes down to spring training sooner when you know your team is loaded, when you know your team has a chance. And, and when you're sitting there saying, man, we're one injury away from having a three-and-a-half-man rotation again. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's not a good feeling in February. So, you know, you add another starter to this team. It, it's just it's really hard, too, when your season is over and everybody that speaks publicly tells you that we need to add a starter, probably two. <laughs> so you go into the offseason thinking, we're going to add two starters. Yeah. And then you lose two starters, you add one, and everyone's like, that's good enough. And you're like, hold on. Like, you guys publicly, we're not saying it, you are, that we need to add two starters and we went minus one. You know, like, if you want to include Sale and Paxton, like, to bring in Giolito. Like, it's, you're just trying to figure out what page we're on. It's, it really is, the the perception of it is is so powerful. I mean, I, I just think it, it just is. And and you don't want to be have the sad trombone on February 25th. No, and, and the frustrating thing for me is day one, you walk around, you watch some guys throw live, watch guys take BP, ground balls, and you look around, and you're like, you know, they always say, like, guys got to step up. But if guys do step up, are we in a position for that to matter? Mm. You know, you look at last year's team, a lot of guys stepped up. Mm. Like, there were question marks everywhere. You didn't know if catchers could get it done. Mm. Those guys were fine. You didn't know if Casas was going to be a buck 30 hitter like he was in September. He was a monster. Short and second were a disaster, right? Devers had a good year. I think there's more. You didn't know if Yoshida could hit in the big leagues. You didn't know Duran was going to do that or Turner could protect Devers. You didn't know your back end was going to be as good as they were or, or you know, Bayo and Crawford and Paxton was going to be awesome for 16 starts. Like, there was a lot of guys that actually did step up. You just didn't have enough. Yeah. So guys stepped up, but you didn't let it matter, you know, because you didn't have enough starting oh. pitching. So if guys step up this year, and take the next step, you got to make sure you're in a position for that to matter. Well, to me, to me too, Lou, I've said this a million times, it's the paying for certainty. It's a, like they actually had last year a perfect example of this. They paid for certainty at the end of games, right? Yeah. Where the year before they didn't, 
and they were hoping for the best, best case scenario, kind of like what they do in a million different ways here. Mm-hmm. But the paying for certain, you paid for certainty with Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin. How many games, less games would you have won if you didn't have this? I think a lot, a ton. They were lights out in the seventh and eighth they, inning they, and won, in the eighth and ninth inning, right. they won 78 they games. Never, people forget, like, they would have never even entered in the conversation of being in it at all. Right. At all. And, and so why you're finding those, and I know I'm repeating what you said, but why you're finding these young players of figuring things out and getting best case scenarios, you have to have, you have to pay for the certainty. And that goes like where a Jordan Montgomery can be, can be, all right, teams can look at him as a three starter and Boris is looking at him as like a one star, for a number one starter. But you could also look at the payoff, the other parts of that payoff of innings eater, supporting what you know what you're going to get as the other guys come up mm-hmm. and i'm not even talking about perception of the organization which actually might be good for the business model you know so paying for certainty is important it is and you're not going to have garrett cole and the staff no it's just not going to happen so you flood it with guys that can give you 175 80 innings and i think last year i think baseball fans red sox fans especially started to appreciate what six innings means what it means for your bullpen Oh my goodness. You know what it means for the next day, what it means for the previous day. What it, you know, I don't want Bernardino starting a game. I want him in the seventh inning getting a lefty out. Mm. And I burned him because I had to pitch him in the first. Like, mm. you don't want Winkowski throwing two through four. I wanted him in the seventh inning that night. So it's it changes so much in 162 games. And you're right. Nothing is etched in stone. Nothing is certain. Like I said, if you brought in Montgomery and you had Montgomery, Bayo, Giolito, and Pavetta and Crawford, you feel good going in opening day. I mean, like I said, they're not no one Derek Cole, but you feel like they're going to give you 30 starts. You know, uh, Bayo could blow up. You know, Montgomery could blow up. Yeah. Pavetta, whatever. Giolito can give you innings. Help. Pavetta gave you innings, but they took him out of the rotation five weeks into the season because he was getting harder than anybody in baseball. Mm -hmm. So there is no certainty. You can't predict these things, but you can you can reduce risk. You know, you can reduce risk. There's no such thing as certainty. No, but 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 there is an element of you 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 have an idea of what the guy's going to get. Yeah, a track Uh, record. You have track record. So uh, different thing. I think that when we look at sort of baseball, yeah the American League, National League, and the teams that actually have a chance. Like here's what's interesting. We just we did a podcast with um, Jason Master and I were talking about the A's, like the pressing A's, right? Mm-hmm. They're not gonna win. Right. I don't know if, don't put your fan duel money on, on them. I would agree. Um, but it is kind of crazy Lou how many teams you could make a case for. Yeah. M- maybe more than I can ever remember. I still, yeah. I, I think going into the season, Braves and Dodgers, right? Right. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but when but, you look at everything else, like, and I don't know, there's rumors, because I do think that if the Yankees were to somehow get Snell in a short-term deal, it's a big difference maker. Yeah, oh, yeah. But um, I'm not. I but see, look at the Reds. The, you know, look at the— Everyone. The, here's the big example. Royals. I was going to say. Detroit. The American League Central. Anyone. Who you picking? <laughs> Anyone. I don't know. Anyone. I don't know who I'm picking. I think Minnesota and Cleveland are just good organizations. Yeah. But are they that much better than Detroit and the Royals? The White Sox seem to be like a little bit of a dumpster fire. Yeah, but they've taken an enema to the which they should have. Yeah. And and maybe that's all they needed. Was but I'm with you. Like it's like you know, and that's the other thing too. We we spent so much time about the Red Sox doing nothing. Red Sox doing nothing. I mean, I guess before the Cor- Corbin Burns trade to Baltimore, yeah. the Yankees added Soto. That's it. 
Yeah. And you marry a league. That's it. You know, and, and I don't understand why that makes them the favorite in the American League East, to be honest with you, because mm. I still think their pitching is really thin. They lost some arms in the bullpen. I think Michael King, you could make a case, was their second best pitcher on the yeah. staff behind Cole with everything that he did. So I think they'll be good. I just don't know if they're really a threat. To your point, it's, it's I think open. It's, cr- it's, again, the, the two centrals, the American League Central, the National League Central. Wide open. The Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Chicago, the Cubs, Brewers. Cardinals, yeah. Yeah, yeah Cardinals. And then, and then even you go to the West. I mean, all we have to do is, like, hang your hat on the Diamondbacks, which, which by the way, the Diamondbacks, the, the, the gritty, gutty Diamondbacks, all of a sudden spent money. They actually did things. Yeah. You know, so I, I, that's my way of saying, yay, baseball, let's go, let's go. Yeah, and it's also another way of saying that it kind of is wide open. So, you know, if the Dodgers and Braves are in the American League, I could almost sit back and say, I get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But they're not. Yeah. Like, they're not. Like, are the Astros that much better than everybody? The Rangers, they they could lose Montgomery, and they're not getting Scherzer and DeGrom back for a while if they have a comeback. Like, it's, it's the Seattle's got some pitching, but yeah. we'll see. And, and, it's, and, and the example of where, it can, what just when you think it's normal, you think you know what's going on, the Orioles, I mean, they're still good, right? They're still going to be but, really good. But Bradish hurt. You know, you have mean setback. Mean setback. You know, like all these guys. All right, this is a reminder of what's happening. Yeah. No. Um, all right. Last thing. Yes. How important are major league uniforms? So we had Rich Hill on, and he was talking about the evolution. No one would know the evolution of major of league course. uniforms better than him. Yeah. Uh, but when you played, I would imagine they were pretty nice. They did. You yeah. Have, you have the, the your name stitched into the like the collar and stuff like that, or. Um, no. Okay. But no. they were nice. But they were nice, yeah. 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 I mean, and Rich's point was this is one of the benefits of getting the major leagues. Yeah. Major league uniforms. Yeah. We were just talking in the clubhouse about these uniforms. I mean, is it, how, as a player, how do you view this? I would say, like, um, you're right. You know, when you get to the big leagues, you kind of feel like you're wearing pajamas. You know what I mean? Like, just the material. The National League, it feels like pants, like, crunchy, you know, and rough and everything. And then you get to the big leagues, you're like, wow. Like, these are something I could just I could just sit on my couch, you know what I mean? And just relax and put on sweats, you know. But they're so – they're comfortable. But I, honestly, I think, like, once you got to that point, comfort is, is comfort. Like, I get the jerseys. I think that's a big fit, like, big thing now, um, how comfortable they are. You don't want to be swimming in this thing either, but um, – and I got to figure that part of it out. How did, how, what was the Lou Merloni Taylor job? Because everyone asked for different things, right? It was always more more about the pants because I was kind of like a big-ass, big-leg guy. Well, you know you, what I mean? You, you want to show off the quads? No, but it was like, how do I – yeah, I got to make sure these things fit right. Okay. You know, so the pants, that was nice too. They kind of would just kind of measure everything. Your pants would be there, so that was good. But the jerseys, I felt like, were always – pretty similar you know I never really noticed too much of a difference I think once I got to the big leagues if we ever changed them while I was there I never noticed because okay. they were just always you awesome you never asked for anything in no, particular no always awesome alright yeah speaking of awesome good job man good you're job. the man Rob <laughs>